right, guys. Give it up for the panelists. All right, and y'all are about to be done listening to me for a little bit anyway. So I uh, do have a favor. So uh, I'm super thankful. I'm sure that you are too. Thank you all so much for being here. I'm going to give you a quick introduction. Um, we do this every month. You know, they are so gracious with their time. Bruce and I have been working on this since February. <laughs> February, you know, and then, you know, just out of the blue, I don't know, six weeks ago, I was like, I'm in. You know, because he had the dates. He's like, I'm in for the 10, so we're happy to have him. So uh, they're giving a lot. So let's let's do the same thing. We're streaming this live on Facebook. Pull your phones out real quick. If you've been here before, you know the drill. Pull your phone out. Go ahead. You know, everybody tell, tells you to put your phone on airplane mode. I'm actually telling you to pull it out. Go to Facebook. Go to Houston Real Producers. Hit the share button. You'll see the live feed. It's streaming right now. Take two seconds and do that. And I'm going to start my little intros for these three. Sean, all the respect in the world. He's one of the most intelligent you know, people I've spoke to. I've spoken to thousands, probably tens of thousands of agents over the last decade in my work that I've done in the real estate community. I mean, how many years? How many years? 30? How many years in the business? 25? 23? It's just, it's insane. I mean, you look like you're 30. I don't, I don't get it. So anyway. Um, but we've been in a mastermind group every Friday morning at 7 a.m. for the past four years. Got to know him well. Thank you so much for, you know, he offered up his house. A lot of the times we meet right there in the Heights. Corona killed it. We moved to Zoom. But anyway, fantastic guy. He's here. Just get ready because I already know what's, what's coming you know, your way. So give it up for Sean, please. We're a man down. I feel like we should do a one clap for Glenn. There he is. But I don't know. Let's do it on three. One, two, three. All right, that's all you get, man. Sorry, I'd give you a lot more if you were here. Uh, Bruce, I remember uh, sponsoring bold, sponsoring uh, bold classes at the, uh, you know, Metro, Metro, is that Metropolitan. Thank you. Tongue got tied there. But just, anyways, all the respect in the world. And then when I first started this, I got to work with his now daughter-in-law. I hadn't quite started yet. Got a copy of this delivered to the woman's office. Somebody put it in her face and said, you need to call this guy and see what's going on. We connected. She's engaged to his son, Parker King. She's like, I gotta help you out. My launch party downtown. I mean, it was one of the best events we've done. I think we had pushing 300 people that um, you know showed up that day. She had a lot to do with it, and so I think the family's fantastic. You know, um, his wife was on the cover, obviously. So shout out to Diane. Hopefully, you get to see this, and, and then uh, and then Parker's awesome. Talked to him last night. He's on a plane right now with it. this guy's about to go fly and meet him in Boise to meet a developer. I think he owns 30% of the state. Just crazy, you know, anyway, like awesome stuff. I hope that was okay for me to disclose. But um, anyways, I'm, I'm so beautiful house, beautiful wife, beautiful grandbabies. And I'm mean, be honest with you, man, like that, that's what, this is my goal right here. That's what I want to have in my life one day with you guys. So I just want to be like you, Bruce. Give it up for Bruce. got the kids, I just got to work on the wife thing, but it's all good. <laughs> so basically, all right, and then Deanne, one of the best covers I've seen. I love this woman, so sweet and genuine. I always and, wanted to sit next to a cover girl. Yeah, you, you, you check that off the list, you know. So soft-spoken, you know, and, and I love that she's here. We're going to do Q&A later, okay, and, um, you know, all the just support and love, you know, uh, coming her way because you know she's like oh, this isn't really my thing but yeah, I know I got to kind of face my fears and do things that I'm uncomfortable doing and and so I was like good for you absolutely I mean that, that, that's what it's all about so 
And then uh, she's coming from Remax Five Star. So big shout out to Kimberly Stevens. I know you're watching. Okay. She, yeah, yeah. Give her a hand. Oh, hold on, hold on. We're gonna give her a hand. She had knee surgery within like days. I think it was last Friday or something. So her Facebook pictures, if you've seen them, like she is laid up right now. I got a text yesterday with a scar about the size of my hand going right over the top of her knee. And uh, anyway, she's Disruption Nation sponsor. This is one of her superstars, Max Five Stars. So give it up for Kimberly and yeah. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Uh, get your questions ready as they come up. We got you know preset stuff. We're gonna roll. Um, we're gonna do food, by the way. Your uh, menu about ten forty-five. I'll come back and just remind you. Wait, staff is gonna come by and pick them up. So that way, when I end this thing at eleven thirty on the dot, food's coming out of the kitchen. It's ready to go. We learned that the hard way. Okay, we had to wait and the kitchen went ready. So it's like we got ahead of that because they get a lunch rush too. We're not going to wait for it. It's going to be over, done, time to eat, and I'm looking forward to it. So, all right, enough of me. All about y'all. Thank you so much for being here. One last time, let them hear it. Give it up for them. All right, Taylor. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Great. No, you got to be doing better now. How about you doing? Here's the deal. I always would look at it this way. You think career, not year. This is not about the best year you're going to have. It's the best career you're going to ever have. And real estate is probably one of the best places that you can build a phenomenal career. We're going to talk about today. There were some great questions that were asked earlier. Life balance, work balance, how do you, you know, separate yourself? What are some things you can do different? I will say to you first and foremost, thanks for having your butt in seat for this reason. If you're here, you're here to learn. You're here to get some information. You're here to pick up nuggets. And if you want to grow in any industry or any business, you have to start looking at how would others do. What are best practices? What did somebody do different than you did? You're going to hear from some great panelists today, right? Glenn, I'm hoping he's going to come screaming on a skateboard. We'll throw him right in here and dive in. But these two have built some wonderful businesses. And then I'm going to share a different perspective from not only being in the business and then going further into management and ownership and other stuff. So we'll kind of cover a whole litany of topics. And as you come up with questions, jot them down, right? Taylor will be bouncing around here. But the greatest thing about doing a function like this with a panel is you get to hear different mindsets, different ideas, things that people have done. And so continue to do this, right? This is my 24th year in this industry. And people ask my wife and I all the time, do you go to these things a lot? And they said, we constantly are. Because I'm always learning, I'm always in learning mode. So to start this off, we're gonna start ladies first because that's what gentlemen do. We're gonna ask, how did you get into real estate? Tell them a little bit about your real estate business. And then we'll go deeper into this, but just talk a little bit about how you got into it, what you're doing. Okay, I got into it, um, falling into it actually. Um, helping out two friends um, with just their admin work, not looking to get my real estate license at all. But then after five years helping them with admin and they were trying to push me to get my license, I was like, no, I've got four kids, I'm too busy, I want to give 100% of whatever I'm doing. So I finally did it. I got my license six years ago after working with them for five years. So I've been in the business for 11. but. Um, so I started on a team. Um, one of the girls I was working with, um, she didn't have a team, and so I started with her on a team. And did that for three and a half years or so, and then branched off on my own for the last two and a half years. Okay. Sean, you've been in this a few years. How'd you get started? Tell us a little about what you're doing. Uh, I was around it as a child for a while. Um, so it was a family business. Um, my parents uh, had the Real Estate Almanac. I don't know if you remember this, but this was before the internet. 
So uh, I'm actually old enough to remember those. <laughs> so uh, it was an almanac that had all the neighborhood information on neighborhoods all around the city uh, before it was on the internet, and they would drive around neighborhood by neighborhood. So I was around that as a child. So I was always around real estate, but my mother had a real estate license, not my father, and she worked in it for well over 30 years um, by the time she was done. But um, I just tried my hand at it. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was in college and finding myself and still doing that today. So uh, yeah, just kind of fell into it. I, I was I got my license. It was an idea. Hey, between uh, semesters, I come try you know some real estate at home next to my mother, learn from her while she's around, could teach me and see if it fit and it fit like a glove. So um, that's how I got started. You know, you always hear that you're a product of the tape recorders that you grow up with. So those that have grown up around a real estate family, what have they heard? Actually, the story of my wife, Diane Keith, when she started in 1999, first weekend I ever met her parents, and we're talking about this whole real estate gig, right? And how she got into it and took off like a lightning bolt. And her mom and dad looked at me and they said, well, let me share a story. At 16 years old, dad and I are sitting at a small boutique in Indiana we're at the table. And Diane says one night, she slams her fist on the table. She says, stop talking real estate. That's all you two do is talk real estate, real estate, real estate. Fast forward 10 years and she dove into real estate. It was already in her brain. That's what Sean got to grow up around. Now here's an interesting question. How many of you have been in the real estate business longer than 10 years? Show your hands. Between five and 10 years. Less than five years. Less than one year. Okay. This is a lifelong passion of ours. I ask students when they come into some of my classes to pull out their smartphone, and I said, tell me which one of the entries in your smartphone does not want a roof over its head. What phone number, what email, what text number does not want a roof over its head? And the answer is all of them. So we're in a business in which for the rest of our lives, we don't have to go look for somebody to buy our product, do we? We just have to figure out question back there, how do I separate myself from the other 38,000 that are in HAR, okay? So I want you to think about something that as you go through this business, you do not have a lack of opportunity. Every single entry in your phone is a potential opportunity to sell a piece of real estate. How are you marketing to them? How are you getting involved with them? That's what we're gonna talk a little bit more, okay? You built your business up, how much, so the first year and then where you are today? Oh. First year was probably selling a couple of houses. Uh, yeah. uh, today we're um, selling about 40 million in a year. Okay. And uh, there's a team of six of us and we are a very, very close family. And uh, so that's what we're doing today. So team of six, 40 million. We're gonna talk about leverage today because that's one of the questions regarding life balance, right? As we were prepping for this, you're selling, you started five years as administra administrative and now we're at um so probably my first year was um maybe 10 homes 10 closings a year um this year i'm probably going to make 100 closings 10 to 100 okay we're going to dive in in a minute about how they made those steps and how they got there I'll add the flip side of this. So I was a smart man. I married a very intelligent woman that started in real estate. Some of you might know my wife, Diane Kink, and the Kink team. Um, in 1999, she did $5 million out the shoot and was rookie of the nation for Keller Williams. This year, 20-some years later, with a team of 10, she's going to do probably around $170 million. Is this a good path for real estate? Yes. Is it a great opportunity? Yes. Where we looked at it is I joined her. I started working with her in the early 2000s. 2004, I joined her. 
In one year, we went from 24 million to 44 million. And people go, well, how did you do that? Because we followed some models and systems. We put it, we implemented leverage. We did a bunch of things. Stayed seven years on the team, and then I dove out of that because my background was actually in executive management. And I said, you know, I came out of 10 years of aviation. I want to get into leadership management. So I had a chance to come down and take over the Galleria office and grew that from 278 agents to 500 agents before taking over a different position. And then the Woodlands, and then I was recently got involved as the South Texas Regional Director for Keller Williams with 29 offices oversight. The reason I share this is some of you sitting at these tables right now have a desire to go bigger than just being a real estate agent, yes or no? Some of you sitting at these tables need to think bigger than just being a real estate agent. The one thing I share with you is that when you all drove here, did you pass a lot of signs coming in? <laughs> Do you understand that every one of those signs started with a human being, one, one person that had an idea that created a business. Then they said, maybe I need some help. Maybe I need an assistant. Maybe I need a bookkeeper. Maybe I need somebody else. And they're off and running. We're going to talk in a minute where she's going to talk about building her business. Is she truly an individual or does she have people helping her? And we'll talk about that. So give them a sense right now as, as you dove into it, what were some of the key elements that you did to help build your business? Um, first key is relationships. So you don't have anything without a relationship. Um, and customer service goes with that. And you have to stay in contact with, with your sphere, whether they're looking for a house right now or not. Um, the more you're in contact and and showing up at places that you're invited to and um, because there's going to be a, another agent there at that place too. If you're not there, it's out of sight, out of mind too. So it's important to keep your personal life too, no matter how busy you are. And that's what, that's what I gear it to is keeping your friendships, um, relationships, making new ones. That goes a long way. Sean, as you dove in, you had your mom that you were watching through the years, and then you said it just fit me, right, as you came into it. How long did you go individual before you decided, I want more, I want to grow bigger? Well, as an individual, uh, it became a husband and wife team. And uh, for those who are not aware, Paula is sitting here at our table. Uh, and huge shout out to this amazing woman in my life, always, the whole time, to this day. And uh, one of my dearest friends, closest friends, and just a powerhouse uh, personality and skill set. And she's the analytical, she's the systems uh, in our operation. So she's been with me in business probably since around 2010, 11, somewhere in that range. And uh, so it was a husband and wife team for a while. Okay, hold on that a minute. Some of you sitting in here are analytical. Don't have to put your hand up, but some of you are analytical and you like sales. But some of you like analytics a little bit more than you like sales. There's gotta be a blend of both. Right, because I know, for instance, when Diane and I took off, Diane does not like the back end of any detail. She's like, get that off of my plate. I am analytical, I'm operations, I'm that kind of thing. So when you think about your growth, you have to decide who are you? Are you the gregarious, outgoing, you know, type A personality, and you just love being out there with people, but you go, don't show me the back end of a contract and all the details, I hate it. Then you need leverage. Then you need someone to help you, okay? Which part of those are you? Both probably because um, I like the back end and the front end. Really. Where did she tell you she started off? What did she do? Uh, admin. admin. So I'm very organized. I'm an organized person. So I, I do like that part of it also. 
So the cool thing is you can create both of those worlds, right? You can absolutely enjoy that part of it. But now, where is your best money producing opportunity? Behind the scenes, doing all of the paperwork, or out in front creating another lead that could be a seven to nine thousand dollar commission? Out in front, definitely. Um, I just time management. I mean, that's you have to have time management. So I try to stay out all day, whether I have appointments or not. I'm somewhere to be involved in something and then I do my admin in the morning and at night. Do you use your calendar? Um, I use my calendar like my Bible. So, um, so that's what, um, that, I mean, uh, yes, I like to see everything out in front of me. So I have a notebook and that's what I use, and that's where I track my leads. I do have systems too, but my notebook is something I can carry with me everywhere. If I'm planning my day for the next day, and I'm gonna be on the road going to Cyprus or the Woodlands or wherever, I write down who I'm gonna be calling on that car ride. I don't listen to the radio. I make phone calls instead, whether they're involved in a transaction with me at that point or, or not. I'm just making contacts and reaching out. So Sean smiled at me because we have this one saying that says if it's not on your calendar. It does not exist. So tell them how you stay focused. Because I have systems for writing down the important things that I must do. Otherwise, they're running in the background of my mind all the time and infecting my presence where I'm at. What's the difference between must do and want to do? Must do and want to do? So I'm, my calendar is a little bit simple. Uh, I've learned to Keller Williams and Keller Williams systems that we can color code and we can coordinate a lot better, frankly, than I uh, use it. But if it's not on there, it doesn't exist. So what is important is on there. Um, I don't forget to prepare for deep rest when I sleep. I don't have to calendar that. And I do meditate before bed. I don't have to calendar that. And to eat good food and drink good water. But that's just a practice like anything else. When you set your brain and things are just in order, they just they work out that way. But in terms of events and to-do lists and business, if I don't write it down, I've got, a, I've got one to-do list and I've got my calendar. My calendar is electronic. It just happens to be for me instead of physical. My phone's always with me. Um, but my to-do list, I just have not been able to make it electronic. It just has to be physical for me. And I'll take snapshots of it in case I don't have it with me at the time. So I've always got the latest things. But if it's not on there, it doesn't, it, it doesn't exist, you know. So I, I file it away and I'm done. And then I'm free to be present. Do you think Sean and Deanne have a different 24-hour period than I do? Or you do? Well, I'd say 24 hours, right? It's how you use the 24 hours that comes into play. So when we start thinking about balance, when we start thinking about businesses, and we start thinking about what you want to take on, how are you using the 24 hours? Now, Deanne's comfortable writing it down and having it with you. Sean and I are probably, I'm very digital, right? And me, ladies, you look lovely. How many of you like to go get your hair done? How many of it, how many, how, how many of you put it on your calendar as in Google? No? A lot of people, okay, thank you. Many of you shake your heads and go, well, no, because if a call comes in, I've got to go to the call, I've got to go do that. Really? Ring, ring. Hello, Bruce. Can you meet me at 3 o'clock? Hmm, my hair appointment. No, actually, I have an appointment at 3 o'clock. I can either do 4.30 or I can do more at 10, which works for you. Ladies and gentlemen, when you want to go see your doctor and you call it and you go, hey, I need to come see you. Can I be there at 10? What do they say? Go to the calendar. Make an appointment. Calendly is a big deal now. A lot of people are using Calendly, which is a process by which you get to go in and see what's available. 
If it's not on your calendar, you're cheating yourself. We talk an enormous amount about calendar for this reason. If you want to work out, put it on your calendar. Now, can it be moved? Yes. But what if you say to yourself, that is immovable, and if I have something else that comes up, I move it to the next slot. All the time, if things come up in your life that you want to get done, and you put it on the calendar, you know what's cool about digital? What do you do with it if you don't get done with it that day, Sean? It's just a slight adjustment. It moves on, or just is already there for the next day. It moves. It moves with you. It moves to the next available slot. It moves to where you can get it done. But if you look at people that run powerful large organizations and businesses, their calendars are absolutely what they live and breathe by, including the personal. Do you personalize stuff on your calendar? Yes, absolutely. Yes, I do. I personalize parent appointments and um, trips with my family and friends, um, going to the Nutcracker. Um, so yes, I do personalize. Mike Keller taught me many, many moons ago, says first and foremost, as you calendar things out, is real estate a business that can chew your time up? Yes. <laughs> it can actually destroy relationships if you're not careful. So one of the things he taught us years ago is one of the first things you do is you calendar downtime. You calendar a vacation, you calendar a long weekend because you look forward to it and you're breathing and living every day to go to Cabo or to go to the mountains or to go somewhere, you calendar it. Now, another fascinating thing about our calendars or the business that we're in, if you need to get to an appointment, how many of you remember Bewitched, right? When she did her little nose thing, can you just be there? So I said to my wife years ago, why don't you put this thing called commute on your calendar? If it takes you 15 to 20 minutes to get somewhere, put commute. It's now blocked. You're going to be in a car. Now, what can you do while you're in the car? Make phone calls. Clients, friends. Anybody. If you calendar that time, your brain begins to tell you those are moments of time and nuggets that I can make phone calls, I can do follow-up, I can do some things while I'm moving from point A to point B. How many times do you overschedule yourself because you can't physically, well, of course, there's no traffic in Houston, so we don't worry about that, right? I mean, it's always sailing, it's always easy. Calendaring is critical. Sean, what are the things you do to keep yourself on target? I work on balancing. Okay, tell them more about that. Um, well, and I leverage relationships. Um, so I, first of all, I, I own who I am. So I realize that I have to have off time and personal time and personal relationships as well as work time. So I show up when I work and I'm there. And I'm also showing up in the other areas of my life that are equally as important. So, um, that makes it easy and the example you used earlier if you have a hair appointment or you have a workout it's a perfect example if you're owning your life and that these things create a nice uh, balance for you in your life then they're important so you don't owe uh, someone on the other line it's not a client who's trying to set up an appointment for example an explanation of what you're scheduled to do you don't say hey i'm going to be on a seller appointment between that time or i'm going to be out showing houses you say i'm scheduled i have an appointment but can we move it here you do the same thing for a workout and you don't do it and feel bad about it because you don't owe that you don't have to give away that power that's not their business literally as real estate agents think about this of all the things we do in our lives whether it has to be doctor appointments or scheduling things with friends or whatever when you call somebody, do you suspect that they're gonna, you get to do it at the time that they have available or when they can get you in to see them? I don't know why as realtors we think that, well, if somebody call me, I have to go now. Well, I can't do it now, I have to cancel everything, go now. No, we don't. You actually can leverage stuff through that. 
That's also about leadership. And this was a big thing. It's, it's always, it's an everyday thing, an everyday topic. This is what my team and I, I, I just repeat. They're probably, I don't know if y'all are sick of hearing me talk about leadership, but everything is about that. And um, so you're leading that, putting the appointment down. If this, you're calling me to do business, I'm gonna tell you what I have available. I'm not looking for you to tell me what I have available. So if you're calling me to help you buy a house, I'm gonna walk you through the steps and help uh, facilitate your buying purchase. Even though you're gonna you know, be the one emotionally attached to one of them, I'm gonna be there to look over all the details and to lead you. You're not leading me. And this, as buyer's agents, for you out there that are listening to me, listen very carefully. Lead your client. Um, it's easy to just go open a door when they call you now to do that. So as Bruce has pointed out, if you have something on the schedule, just be attentive to them, that's it. Put them somewhere. And then ask them a couple other questions. Is it just this house or is there something else? Be mindful of your time, don't waste it. Lead this. You don't have to do exactly what they want you to do. Too much in this world in the technological age right now with everybody having such power at their fingertips, our clients are so confident, often falsely. Um, they have all access to this information, but they don't really know how to process that information. They don't know exactly you know, how to translate it, right? That's what we're here for. That's what we do. So first of all, lead your own life. Be the leader of your life. Don't bounce like a pinball when people want you and you feel you owe it to them. Take, take, advantage, take control of your own life. And then when someone reaches out for help, lead them because this is what I do and I can help you. Yeah, I'm not going to make a decision for you. But I'm going to help you facilitate that buying purchase the same as what I do on the seller side. I'm going to lead that relationship. So this is a huge thing too. By a show of hands, how many of you work from home? Put them up high. Okay? A predominance of you. So let's talk for a second. I'm going to give this over to Deanne because she's built a wonderful business. How do you keep yourself on target, not hitting Mr. Refrigerator or not going to check out the dog or doing that? How do you keep yourself on target as you build your business? Well, I take time to decompress too. Um, I go on walks in the morning with my daughter usually. And um, I just, I don't know. I just plan out my day, uh, plan out my day what I'm going to do. I have a mound of sticky notes. And like, like Sean said, I have to like write it down because if not, then it's way back here. And, and I'm going crazy like, what was that that I was supposed to be doing? You know, so I have, I have sticky notes in my car, I have <coughs> everywhere. And I, I organize my day and I do give time for those appointments to not be late to the next appointment. So the commute time is important to me too. When you two think about your businesses, what's your mindset about the business itself? Is it just something that just comes as it comes on the day as, you know, whatever happens or are you very purposeful? Uh, no, I mean, I have the mindset of, like, no, it's not just whatever happens. I mean, I usually have a schedule every day that I do go by, and and it's in my office. I work and at the Remax five-star office, and I do work at home, too. It's whatever's working for me that day. You know, if I don't have appointments until the afternoon, 2 o'clock, then I will do a lot of work at home before going out, even. Um, but... I just try to stay in the mindset to try to check off that list at the end of the day and what's not checked off, it's rolled over to the next day. 
I've been to your beautiful office. Tell me why office for you versus home, and then what are the things that keep you focused? So this is something from the very beginning of my career was very important um, and I did work out of my house for many years uh, and when I got more serious about my business and you heard me say maybe a couple closings the first year um, I mean I was young I was 21 to whatever 25 26 I mean I, there wasn't a whole lot of motivation to do more than just go you know pay for the first house that I purchased and it was not overly expensive and to, so enough to cover my, my bills and enough to go drink or hang out with buddies. Or, it was pretty simple, you know. Um, and then, of course, later on, we find more purpose and meaning in life and things that we want to accomplish and do. And so I got more serious about my business. Um, at that point, there was a certain amount of time where it's like, I've got to go into the office. And this was around 2009 uh, when I really just said, I, I just can't do this out of the house. You know, it's just, it's it, because... Inevitably, I've always what had, are the pitfalls? I've always had dogs, for example. You know, I mean, you might have kids, whatever. But for me, I've never had kids, but I've had, always had pets, right? So, I mean, it's, it's constant distractions. Oh, come on, I mean, that, my bed is in a room. That's where I rest. <laughs> I don't think it's healthy to bring your work to bed. I'm just saying, okay, but that's me. So, but, you know, so it's, it's, it's both ways. This is where I rest. This is where I play with my dogs. This is where I might have my own little private time or meditation. This is... Uh, ceremonial or time with your wife or your loved one or right so that separation was always important when it became more serious for me and when I wanted to take it to the next level so that was when I started going to the office and so showing up has been the thing for me that has been what has been the, the biggest difference maker in my business is showing up to work every day um, because inevitably there's gonna be too too way too many things to distract it's just like if you allow your phone and everybody reaching out to show you the house and open the door now whatever it's like we're in real estate I mean, come on. Like, so that's I think the biggest gift it requires you to show up own your life be a leader to yourself and then take control because if not it will burn you out there's no question about it you're going from I'm trying to break my way into success to I'm done. And that was when my team was inspired. It was when I had a nervous breakdown in 2015. So it's it's from here to there. And it's one or the other, literally. So you listen to both of them. They're very structured, right? So Deanne has her home office, but she also has the office that she goes to. But she gets up and goes to work. What I find a lot of times, many agents get up and it's a casual morning. It's a casual day. I'll roll in and maybe make a few calls. I'll maybe go look at my calendar. How many of us came out of an environment or a business where we got up and went to work? What were the hours? Every one of you know your hours. Some of you had to get in at six, some of you eight thirty, some of you nine, some of you just prayed for that five o'clock bell to ring. Now we're entrepreneurs and we don't have to do that. Ooh. What happens with business if you take on that kind of mindset? Yeah, you get lazy and you don't work. Um, your production shows that too. So whether I have appointments or not, I'm getting dressed and I'm going out, I'm going to my office because you learn too when you're at your office, you learn from other agents and other transactions they're going through and your broker. So you have to be in your office. That's for any new agent too. Like, I mean, that's how I learned um, because you hear them going through their different transactions and they're, yeah. So that's how you learn. So you have to show up, you have to be there. Yeah, you sparked that memory for me when I got went to the office in 2009. It was more of an intuitive, I need to go to the office, I need to get out of the house, I need to take this seriously. And then inevitably you're around someone on the phone that's trying to put together some crazy deal or 
you know, everything just fell out of the sky all of a sudden, and you're listening to the conversation back and forth, and you may not be able to hear the other side of it, but nonetheless, you are around, and then the conversations between realtors and the office, hey, can you help me with this, whatever. So when you're around people doing business, inevitably, you learn, and you learn, and you learn, and you learn, and you learn. So we think, okay, production, we think the next deal, we think put this deal together, but if you show five, 10 houses and it doesn't translate into selling a house, was that a waste of time? Did you learn from the experience? This is the difference of how I show up now and how maybe I did in the beginning is because there was an, an intelligence behind it. It's reflection time. Like, did I learn something from this experience? Was there something here for me? Because I don't, I just, I have a, a very difficult time just saying waste at all and anything in life, okay? Uh, maybe I could have been much more mindful and I spent my time on something, but everything offers us an opportunity to learn from it. And so, yeah, it being around the business was so important for other people, especially when I didn't have my own stuff going on. And then guess what happened? You found a way in. It's like, hey, uh, I ran across this person. They have a home to sell. I didn't have the ability to close that seller. I knew it. I was, in, I, I was honest with myself. So I found out by doing a little research online that they had actually sold or, or bought that house with an agent who was in one of the very well-known agents who had been around for years at the office. He didn't know they were getting ready to sell. He's probably not stayed in touch. Or maybe they would call him, I don't know, but I've got the end right now. So I used intelligence to go, wait, I can go tell him about it. Maybe we can share it together and I can just bring it 50-50 and he might be game. He was such an amazing human being. And he had that energy anyway. So I felt right, felt inspired. I went and did that, guess what? I didn't have any chance in the world of closing that deal, but it was a very nice uh, Heights home very expensive, and we shared a 50-50. He kind of led everything, I learned all the way along. So these are the sort of things that happen when we start thinking intelligently. How can I just make something happen, you know? So how can I hustle a little bit, but being around other people is the key. So you're all entrepreneurial. You dove into this because you want to be an entrepreneur, right? I mean, you've come out of a business before and you say, I want to go build something. Here's one thing I say too, don't be a realtor. Be a business owner. You know that the moment you stepped into this, you became a business owner. Do you have expenses? Oh, yeah, you do. Do you have revenue opportunities? Massive, but you must be a business owner. Now, some of you may go, I don't know how to do a PL. I don't know what a balance sheet is. Great, find a bookkeeper, find a friend, find a CPA, have somebody teach you. Throw you some interesting stats right now. There's 1.52 million people in NAR, National Association of Realtors, that have licenses. They're currently calling this the great resignation. There were more people that resigned from their standard jobs in August, September than historically they remember. There's 1.62 million in real estate school right now. Why? Why do you think all those people are in real estate school, Sean? Because they think it's easy. Oh. <laughs> it's so, look, we just came through a year where you stick a sign in the yard, you get 17 offers, you get this big commission check, you go, next! Is that gonna stay forever? No, absolutely not. And does everybody get the same opportunity? No. How many of you buyer agents have put offers in to get them rejected, 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 rejected? You didn't win it, somebody did. So the entrepreneurial spirit has to go somewhere to learn. What these two have told you, one, Sean got opportunities because he went in and watched and he listened and he heard of an opportunity and dove on it. Deanne goes, not in her home office, but into office where she is productive and can continue to work her deal every single day, right? Please understand your success is only predicated upon how much you're going to stick to a model or a system and get after it. So, go ahead. One of my favorite quotes, I, my team knows me for always using quotes. It always, I've got a quote to start our meetings, but that you just reminded me of a big one. The difference of where you are today in your business and where you want to be tomorrow 
is only systems. That's it. The only difference is systems. Think about any business, right? We use sports analogies all the time. What do they look at? Numbers, 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 systems, models. Gary's working on a book right now. He said it's all in the math. Everything is in the math. Everything we do in life, there's some mathematical number associated to it, right? You want to sell a million? Okay, great. It comes down to a math equation. What's the average sale price? How many buyers? How many sellers? It's all math. 24 hours in a day, ooh, got to sleep a little bit. It's all math. So let's, let's shift gears a minute. Let's talk about, for some of you that are looking at this and going, all right, so Sean, Dan, how did, you're going to tell them tidbits of what would take them to go from 100K to 200K to maybe $250,000. What are some things that they need to think about? Well, again, I'm going back to relationships. It's not just the relationship with your clients. It's the relationship with the agents that you're working with on the other side, too. So um, you're going to come to bumps in the road and negotiating with other agents. But if you keep that relationship with them too, they're, you're going to come across them again eventually. And they're going to remember how easy it was to work with you and how the transaction went smooth. So that's, that's a big nugget for me to give to you, the relationship overall. Amen. And let's translate that to all relationships too. Uh, so go a little bit deeper. I mean, come on, how important is having a lender you can count on? Oh, uh, lender and title company, yeah. yes. So like Dixie Sanders' team, Dixie Sanders and Tracy here in the room have been uh, relying on their expertise in the lending realm since 2006. Uh, uh, oh, another thing, so for you real estate agents who are listening out there, don't try and do everything. Just focus, okay? So when you get a question from your client and it's about the lending world, don't act like you should have all the answers. You're not a lender, newsflash. Stay in your lane. Yeah, the, the, it's good to have the basic knowledge of things, but you know when it comes to a question that you don't necessarily know the answer, here's another thing, and this, I learned this, this was also a big key to my success that I implemented very early. I said when I didn't know, or I said, I'm not sure, but I can find out and get right back with you. Okay? Own it. Don't act like anything. Because when you do, here's the thing. We all know when someone's acting. Especially today. It's all coming out to the surface right now. For you to see or ignore. But the thing is, don't try to be everything. Don't try to work all areas of Houston. Don't try to do all of it. Don't try to be all the buyer specialists and the seller specialists and sell every type of home type you know, mid high rise condos and be the specialist on that at the same time that you sell farms and ranches and inter interlude bungalows. Okay, so rely on your lender in a relationship, rely on a title company in a relationship, someone you can count on that's gonna do their job, that's a professional that shows up every day, not just someone you like. This is like our clients going to hire someone they know and like to be their real estate professional, to facilitate and lead them just because they have the license. How many licenses do we have right now in the city of Houston? Greater? 38,000. So how many of those really are serious about their businesses? How many of them are just in it to, you know, maybe make a second income or whatever? Quick comment on relationships. Once again, all of us in here have to deal with people for our business. Yes or no? Title, mortgage, bug people, everything. I used to have a comment. I would say, let's make a risk sharing relationship. You want me to send you business? Yes or no? Yeah, yeah I want your business, Bruce. Great. Here's what I'm going to ask of you. I know that you deal with all kinds of realtors. I would never, ever ask you for all of your referrals. But what we play a little game, I continue to send business throughout the year, and one time a year, one time a year, you throw this dog a bone. You give me a lead that potentially turns into a client. Guess what I'm going to continue to do? I'm going to continue to feed you. 
Now, if every one of my vendors gave me one deal a year, how many deals could I pick up? How many vendors you deal with? A lot. My point is to the vendor, I'm not asking you for all your referrals, but I'll support you, you support me. Find a way, put me in touch with somebody, okay? When you sell a home DM, do you look at it as one time? No, no, because they're gonna buy again, but their kids are gonna buy, their sisters, brothers, their, their parents, so no. What's the life cycle normally of a, somebody in a house? What's the life cycle? Seven so years. You could sell them one house and go, we're done. No, you're not. I put that on the calendar. I know when they're gonna get itchy again. And right now I'm selling the same client within the last two years, another house. Let's talk about that for a minute, Sean. So we talk about relationships, we talk about building your database. How do you, how do you build on that and keep in contact through models and systems? This is a little fresh from yesterday, but uh, you know, I rely so much on my relationships and I have people in my life I can count on that there are a lot of things, the details that I don't have to carry. Um, but Paula implemented our system and our database and I think we've got between four and 5,000 in it uh, today. And, uh, can you ever have too many people in your database? Because, I mean, no, you keep adding. Like, you can never have too many. Can you have too little? Yes. Yes. So you can organize them so that you touch them in different ways, right? So people that you know a little bit more than I happen to run into them at a networking event one time, you know, then you have them organized. And that's why it's so amazing to, to have that organization for sure. If we know that people are on average in their home seven, eight years, right? We're gonna to have to continue to communicate with them. So when he says touch them, how are you, what kind of touches are you doing? I've always been very personal with mine. So, you know, again, if you're acting, people feel it, they know it, it's the same thing. If it's just like you're trying to get business and you're, this is a touch, how are you? I care about you, how's it going? And that's all, or it's an automatic email generated and that's basically it. Today, people are smart enough to know, oh, this was just an automatically email, you know, generated email, and it's not from Sean. So, starting with, hey, we meet somebody in an open house, right? Um, and we jot down a few things. We're there to trade information, and this is in the sales business. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you information. Originally, I don't wanna go, I'll go off on tangents, it'll take two years, but. So, so they want a, a price from us, right? They want something simple. They want to know why the seller's selling. They want to know the price. They want to know a couple basics about the house. I want your contact information. I want to stay in touch with you. I want to know that you're being well taken care of. I'm not one of the ones who leads and go, hey, do you already have a real estate professional representing you? Because a lot of times they're just going to automatically tell you yes, just so you'll leave them alone because they're so used to salespeople. You're one of them, so they just kind of blend you in with everybody else. So I don't ask them that right away. Because I want to know that they're, if they're not really well taken care of, and there's an opportunity for us to exchange a win-win relationship here, then I'm, I'm in and I'm going to help them. Because I'm fit, because I'm not trying to beat Joe everything, right? One of our coaches' agents, he said, here's an interesting one. You pick up the phone, and you call the people in your database and go, hey, how you doing? That's a touch. That's an opening remark. Now, what are you going to do beyond that? How have you been going through this market? Are you looking for anything? How can I help you? Is there anyone that you know of? You've got to have scripts and dialects, but the model and system you have to have in place is you can continue electronically and or personally. What kind of things do you do to keep in touch? 
Well, I follow Buffini, so I do a lot of Popeyes. Talk about Buffini. Um, well, so he has his system too. And the Popeyes, I'm sure probably most of you know, but, um, and it's not even that you have to see them when you're dropping off those Popeyes, um, but they know that you were thinking about them at least. And, um, and then just calling them. If you see something on Facebook that they just had a baby or they had a grandbaby, then you call them on that or even send them a text on it. That's not a generated text you know so just yeah just the touches so when you first meet them remember their name right this is it, it, when you're really present and you move on the conversation it's hard just to remember that so if you need to take a memory course or specific to that i did that one time on how i could remember a name and i use it today I, I highly recommend that remember their name remember their spouse's name if they have a child <laughs> bonus points big one because they don't expect that okay uh this is just something very simple. It means the world to someone, especially if you just met at one time briefly when there were four other people in the open house, right? So, and then the other piece of information, something specific to them about they, they were in another situation over here, they were in multiple offices, they've lost two houses in multiple offer situations. When they leave or want to have a chance to write a note, I'm writing these things down because now they remember that I remember certain details about them. So I'm important to you is what they get out of that instead of I'm just a salesperson trying to get their business. So uh, I, I was always trying to make something personal about them, and then any touches would be personal to them. If they are big into dogs, well, then I won't give them a gift that's related to dogs. So think about that. If he's got four or 5,000 in his database, can he remember all that? No, you better have a place to put it. I hope all of you are using some form of a CRM or a data management system where you can put the notes, okay? Here's the thing I taught my wife. Again, she doesn't like detail, but she's got her phone with her 24-7-365, and it just is. Babe, you're driving down the road, you just talked to a conversation with somebody, and now you're thinking, oh, I gotta remember that. Hello, open your phone, open an email to yourself, and then dictate the conversation and send it. You just captured the notes, they're gonna hit your email, now you can do something with them. While she's doing this, right, she's now getting that ready for the next touch, the next follow-up. What Sean just touched on is he learned two or three nuggets. The kids, the sports, the stuff they lost out on, things going on. Now imagine two weeks later he follows up. Hey, how's little Johnny? Did they win that soccer game? Whoa. Exactly. And they don't have to know that you read it off your screen. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh yeah, I do remember them saying that. The follow-up part is critical, okay? Let's talk and shift a minute for about market conditions. So, Deanne, you start in John Dayton. Chris, before you do that, let me do a little Oh, we got a little announcement, I think, about food. We do. Who's hungry? Hi everyone, I'm Lisa, Director of Sales and Marketing for Houston Real Producers, and thank you all so much for coming today. We really appreciate it. Y'all are doing amazing jobs up here. Thank you so much, panelists. Um, if y'all will just take a few minutes and fill out the, um, the card with your menu order on it, as well as put your credit card and your information, uh, your name on the card, uh, on the little tab as well, so we can keep that going. Um, we're going to take them up in just a few minutes, and that way we can get the food out in a timely manner and get y'all on your way because I know y'all are busy people. So um, again, thank you so much and uh, keep on, keep it on. Keep on going. So I shift to talk about market for a minute. Again, we made a comment earlier. A lot of people are diving into real estate because they think it's easy. Ladies and gentlemen, is real estate easy? At times it is. At times it can be, right? You can have that one buyer that calls you and goes, hey, I'm gonna be in town, gotta buy something. Done. That's when it's nice. That's not always. So what are you seeing about current market and I want you to think about prior market, and then what are you gonna do differently, or are you? Uh, I think it's amazing because as long as I've been in it, I don't recall a time that people need us to educate them more than now. It's always been there, it has. 
Um, but I think that they're more unaware of it now than they ever have been. They used to seek out that knowledge. So again, there, there's this sort of confidence that goes with having access to information. You, have, you don't have any idea how to process that information or what it means unless you've been trained or you've been around people long enough to figure it out. All that's happened is that your ego is assigned value because you want to think you know. That's it. And so uh, I think that's the most fascinating thing is right now, uh, and this is what I hope to inspire in each one of you in your real estate practices, this is why I'm here today more than anything and motivated to talk to you is that I would like to see each and every one of you take a very serious role in your business and lead and teach people. And the only way you're gonna do that is if you start small enough to focus on something long enough and do enough research that you get to know it. And if you don't know it, someone else does and they're willing to give, like I am and a lot of us, and that's why we're here, then ask someone who does. And a lot of times they'll share some information with you. So learn about something. Don't be so broad in your focus that you don't learn then you don't truly have anything but one thing, being in front of someone trying to get the next sale, which is what they expect out of you. But truly lead them and teach them and show them the way and help them get the most out of the decision that they're going to make whether you're there or not. That's what I want to inspire you all. I think with um, how the market is now, it's just so fast paced. And so even those clients that have been through this several times, they're just like wanting to, you to educate them. What can they do differently? You know, because it's just so fast paced, you have to work fast for them. What do buyers say to you a lot when they've gotten beat to something? Well, I mean, I try to get them to not be discouraged because that's just where the market is. So you have to just let them know, don't, I mean, even going into it, I tell them before our first home that we look at, you know, or the first offer they want to make, don't get discouraged. There's going to be 20 other offers on this home and we're going to have a strong offer, but we might not get it. But just keep going to the next one. Okay. Sean, what do you see different in seller and buyer, just the way they approach the market right now? Okay, that's a big question. Um, the buyers, uh, for a while, it's been kind of a knee-jerk reaction. Um, or they just jump on a conclusion. Uh, it's not a good time to buy, so I'm going to extend my lease because it's just crazy out there. And I have to pay way too much for the house. And uh, so it's a, it's a blanket decision. And I see amazing investment opportunities today. I'm still either buying investment properties or I am helping investors buy investment properties because there are deals out there. You just don't look at the same place everybody else is. One of the most fascinating things on the buyer's side while we're touching on this is right now they're all fighting over the same houses. Let's talk about what that is. That's the houses that just hit the market. So they have low days on market. I've never seen buyers be so simple in how they judge houses. So then when the house has been on the market 60 plus days or even 30, their attentiveness is a lot less, right? Their, their motivation to take action is a lot less. But once you get 60, 90 days, 100 days, pretty well you've reached 90, 95% of the buyer population thinks there's something wrong with the house. There almost never is an actual reality. Yeah. We have to educate them of that, okay? So, and educate our buyers to actually look at those, maybe take them more seriously than the brand new ones, but don't necessarily count those out, right? So we, have, we see buyers today going after the exact same houses, and all of them practically. I think 90, 95% is conservative when I say 100 plus days on the market, they're all avoiding them. So we see deals no different than ever. Um, so this is a trend we're seeing among buyers. Sellers, um, discount commissions. I got it all figured out. There's going to be multiple offers on my house. It's going to be easy. If there's not, whatever, I'm going to get top dollar no matter what. I mean, that's just what it is, right? I can't mess up that bad. <laughs> False. They need me more than ever. 
to help them through that, right? And you have to be able to sell your value. Now, I also understand there are some players in our marketplace nationally on television or out there talking about, call us, we'll give you the 1% deal, we'll give you the 1% listing. You have to sell value, you have to sell the reasons why. Now, over the last year, what we have seen sellers do is, well, if the neighbor put it on at 280, I can put it on at 310. If it went on at 310, I can go to 360. If it went to 360, I can go to 420. They're unrealistic because they don't understand the research. Yes, and I'll put out a staggering stat for us in our business. Um, since last year, 2020, and this year is on point, the same kind of percentage. Um, never before have we seen this in our business. Uh, of the seller business last year, we closed uh, 51 houses, approximately 51 houses, right? At, um, and 10 of those 51 were previously marketed and not sold. So this goes along with, I mean, everybody is the same. I could just put my house on the market with anybody. So why not either go with my buddy or I owe it to them or whoever's gonna you know, charge the lease so I don't have to pay much because I really don't need them. We're seeing a staggering percentage of homes getting stuck on the market and not selling because of how simple the buyers are judging them. So they need me to come move it for them, which we do every time practically, okay? Even when they have the history, which makes it a lot harder for us. We have to come up with more scripts around that because we know where the buyer's mindset is. But that's 20% of our sale, our listings only sales last year, 20% were previously marketed, not sold in a very hot market. That stag, you know, that was stagnant for a few months, and then it went on fire, blazing. This year was on the same exact thing. We're seeing about twenty percent of our listings sold that we have to put back on the market after they have stagnated and couldn't sell. This is in one of the hottest markets we've seen everybody talking about. Yeah, but I see buyers too that they're saying, "Well, that's been on the market for sixty days. What's wrong with it? You know, it's not day one. It's sixty days." Like there might not be anything wrong with it. We have to go see that one well, too. What might have the seller done? Well, but well, yeah, the it. seller may have overpriced it too, and we try to educate. Yeah, we try to educate sellers on that too. They all think that they're sitting on a gold mine, and but we have to give them the numbers too. You know, like okay, um, we got to be in the comp range. Also, it's got to appraise. Well, now we have the appraisal waivers too, but yeah, you just have to educate those buyers and sellers. Or the seller uh, got an offer three days on the market and they had an open house that weekend and they weren't being led by their agent, right, a leader. And so they, or it's, they were and they decided to do the wrong thing anyway and I had to learn the hard way and the agent couldn't help them out. It could have been one of those two situations. Of those people that came in that were previously marketed, about half of them had an offer at some point. So it's not like they never got one. That's that assumption world again. We don't need to occupy assumption world like our clients, okay, agents. We need to actually look at data. So we're going to get to QA in just a minute. I want, to, I want to touch on one more thing before we dive there, because one of the things you have to look at is at some point in time, if you decide it can't be just me, the 24-7, 365, take the phone call on every holiday realtor, at some point you need to leverage, right, with somebody, whether it is someone in your office, whether it is an assistant, whether it's a virtual assistant, whether it's something, you need to leverage yourself so that you can get after what you're best at. So let's just talk real brief, the cost of a bad hire. As you, get, as you begin to build? Oh. <laughs> um, so when I say bad hire, I want to be clear. It wasn't a bad person, but we just went through this uh, and they were, we, we were pressed and we needed to hire fast, uh, so we thought. 
because we had someone who was with us for over five, six years. We've done really well. We have a nice culture. I mean, we were very close. We're a family at our office, and um, our previous transaction coordinator left us after over five years and went to Austin, moved there with her hubby, so she wasn't going to be able to be with our physical business because we're very big about being in the office. Um, and so she uh, left, and um, we hired really quickly, and it was not a fit for our culture. And so it wasn't a bad person, it was a bad hire in terms of what was a fit for our culture. And we were devastated. I mean, fortunately, we're authentic enough and real enough that we looked at each other and spoke and said, this sucks. <laughs> Coming to the office is not fun, I don't wanna be here. You know, um, if we don't have those kind of relationships with open communication, then we don't get that kind of feedback. So then this has happened all over the place, divorces and all sorts of stuff, because people can't communicate. So we have to really start to learn to open up, own our position. And if you get attacked for it, still own it. And don't attack them the same way, right? And then so, but we have an open dialogue in our office, we always have, we communicated, and we were real about our situation. And it really sucked the lifeblood out of it. And we, we're, we, we might make it the number, I mean, we should have been up. I mean, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't make sense for us to not be up from last year, but we're going to be doing good to hit that number because we took a hit hard, and right now we have not filled that role, and we've interviewed now at least 20 or 30 people. 60. <laughs> 60. Here's where I was going with this, folks. If, if we were all, right, if we take the crystal ball and pick the perfect person, life would be wonderful, right? But that's not the reality. First and foremost, have you taken any training on how to hire? Have you taken any kind of coursework or classes on what you look for in talent? And more importantly, if you think about the number of people hitting the market that are just wanting a J-O-B, you're a small independent person or two people. Do you want someone that just wants a J-O-B or someone that's gonna rock your world and give you back freedom? So a bad hire can cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. One, because of the business you lose, but two, because, of, you know, Sean, what we normally hear, we jump too fast. When do we normally need to hire? Look at a snorkel right at the right at the right at water line. Also, the water goes up and you're taking off water through the snorkel. You're like, I need somebody, and you hire because oh well, they, they said she's a good person. They said he's great, but you didn't do a background check. You didn't go too deeper to find out what the human being is about. You didn't want to find out what they're. We like them. We like them. <laughs> My girlfriend Sally said she's fantastic and she knew about her through her third cousin Jimmy. You need to hire her. This is very important. As you decide to grow, you have to look at the kind of people that are gonna come into your business, okay? When I say to you, don't be a realtor, be a business owner. If you're a business owner, you want the best. Now, can we always know that we're gonna have a perfect hire? No. There's another thing we do called 30, 60, 90. At 30 days, we have a sit down. Expectations, at 60 days, we do another sit down. Expectations, at 90 days, we know if that person is part of our team or if that person is not gonna be part of our team and we say, there's really nothing here that I want to get involved with in terms of anything that's about you being a good or bad person. We had expectations. They weren't quite fulfilled. We need to part ways. And they normally know it. But a bad hire can hurt you. So make sure you really put some time and effort into that. If you're not comfortable with it, go get some training. All right, so we're going to open up to some Q&A, and then we'll also blend in some other pieces here. Are there any burning questions out there that we want to get involved in? Somebody talked a little bit. We can touch on kind of the business life balance, but... Questions? Um, so Systems. Okay, so touch on the systems that you use because we talk a lot about that. And then as you get this detailed information, children's name, information, what do you do with it? 
So we use Realvolve currently. We were using Top Producer for years, um, but we use Realvolve. It's R-E-A-L-V-O-V-E. I think with E. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's our CRM. And um, any information, especially the personal details, the stuff that are the keys, the, uh, they go into the CRM. So they go in the notes under that person. Here's my thing. If you're gonna grow in this business, any business, you have to have a system. There's too much information today. Sean mentioned it a minute ago. You have clients that know more about the neighborhood than you do, but they're overload. They have no idea what to do with it. So you have to have an ability to capture that data, capture that information, calendar it, have a follow-up system, be able to talk to them again in the future. There's lots of them out there. My point is, if you are new in this business or growing, figure out a system that you wanna work with, and then, Sean, you said this, actually, Dan, you said it too. Go learn it deeper, deeper, deeper. Now, you in the long time, Diane King is not gonna be the one that is the backside of follow-up boss or top producer, but she better understand the basics of it so she can ask for the things that she wants it to do for her from the person running it. And you learn in layers. So, you know, even if it's just printing out the contacts in your CRM and you've got a list of 10 pages with all the contacts on it and you check them off as you go through and you're gonna call and you put a date on it and you keep using that, that's okay. You don't have to be in perfection to produce. You don't have to wait until you get somewhere to produce. So, and then later on, the CRM just now spits out exactly what our phone calls for the day are. It's just, here, here, it takes out all the guessing. And then you just check it, put your notes down in the same place, and when you called, how the conversation went, or whether you left a voicemail, what you said on it, it was an invite to our party coming up or whatever, you're taking notes that, so you always know where you're at, because if you're making 100 calls, you're not gonna remember what you did on those 100 calls, or who you spoke to and who you did. Yeah, and you just take the notes, just like you said. Um, and when they say, well, I'm gonna wait for another three months, I put that in my notes to call them back in three months. The date I talked to them, the date I texted them, and we had correspondence going back and forth. Just note everything, that's your system. So with the system, if she knows that while she's in her car wanting to make calls on that day, her system flags her and says, you have six calls to make. Oh, cool, I already know who they are. She knows who to call. Folks, remember this, we all were born in models and systems. Whether it was grandma that taught mom or mom that taught you, you woke up, you ate breakfast, you brushed your teeth, you went to school, it was a model system. We get into this business, we go, well, I don't need that anymore. I'm an entrepreneur. I just could do this and wing it. If you wanna grow, be very, very fixed on your model system. So when I joined Diane in 2004, I took the red book that I lived my life by and I took all the models and systems and put it into place and just followed it. Okay, I didn't have to recreate it. What other questions do we have? In the back. So, um, I just recently joined the team. And okay. I'm looking for, we're all, like you said, we're all kind of our own little business owner. How would you give us advice to tips and stuff to work more as a team rather than just a group of individual business owners under the same paint? Great question. Can, can I ask what, what role are you so, on the team? Um, Okay. As well as my agent. Awesome. Okay, that helps. You want to start with that? So on our team, uh, we take we, we split up the business in uh, compartments. So rather than be a team, like you said, of a bunch of people running their own business and doing everything for their client, and they all just have different clients, we actually handle all the same clients. We just, this part of the, we've got two buyer specialists. They show houses. They work with the buyers. They get to know. They facilitate. They lead. And they help the buyers make a good decision. Then we have all of the support system that's intense and amazing at our office. 
uh, even with Ashley, who's just been with us a short time, doing such an amazing job. Um, uh, but we learned how to hire from systems like KW um, that taught us how to, to interview and how to assign the personality assessment, hire talent to assign their personality assessment to the job description, not just because you like the person, but it makes sense on when you're looking at the data. Um, but our team is assembled to where we take the work and we split it up and we all support one another. So if you have a broken component in that system, then we have to make up the difference, which is what we're doing now, lacking a transaction coordinator, for example. Um, so if you look at real estate in general, you become an independent, you're on your own, right? You're a businesswoman, businessman. The actual first hire you ever make is what? It's an admin. admin. It's always, always an admin. Now, you're an executive assistant. You actually then are the gatekeeper to that individual to be able to grow it. Here's the one thing I would say first and foremost, as you build from one to two to three to four, does the lead rainmaker, if he's the rainmaker, is the vision clear? Does every one of you know what the goal is? Do they know that Sean this year wants to do 15 million, 20 million, 30 million? Do they know what's required of them? As an EA, if your job is the gatekeeper to protect their time, Deanne's time for everything else that's coming on, she has to trust you enough for you to say, no, no, that's not your gig today. And you then learn to build trust, right? I've watched these guys grow their team and I've watched them do a lot of interviewing where they say, no, no, no. Why? Because it's a really tight-knit small group and you want the best. You don't want poor talent, you want great talent. So first and foremost, is the vision clear of what the Rainmaker wants? I would say to any of you sitting here, if you came to my office for coaching, and you'd say, I'd say, how are you gonna do next year? And you're gonna do better. Better's not a goal. I can't teach you how to go better. If you say to me, I wanna get five million, there we go. A number is a goal. Now we can peel that bad boy back. Now let's look at how you're gonna lead generate. Now let's look at what you're gonna do on your daily time call. Let's look at you. That's something that you can work towards. So as a team, everybody has to buy in. The moment you do an admin and another admin and you bring in either a showing assistant or a buyer agent, buyer agent better know what's the vision, what is their goal? What does Sean expect of that buyer agent? 20 deals, 25 deals, 30 deals? Now you have something to work from. So when, I, when we talk team, I don't want any one of you to think, well, I don't know if I want to have a team. Yes, you do. You, you and somebody else. Or you are the 24-7, 365, call me any time of the day or night on every holiday. And I, do, and I do everything. And I do it all. Okay, so just think through, is the vision clear? And it's got to be a number. There has to be a number in real estate. If we all, if I, I love this analogy, all right? If I took all of you out and we had a bow and arrow, and we opened that door up there, we said, pull the arrow back and shoot it. And all these arrows went out in the parking lot. Went, that was cool, but that means nothing. But now I had to put tripods all the way across. You adjust left. It hits the top left, it gives you another error. You're excited, now what do you do? You adjust down. If you don't have a number in real estate, what are you shooting for? What are you going for, folks? This is the biggest business where you can create a huge opportunity, but you have to have a target. Questions? Here. Question for you and Diane and everybody else in the panel. Uh, what is something, uh, actually, how has failure or apparent failure set you up for later success, or do you have a favorite failure of yours? Love that. You want to start? 
So I would start with. Uh, Wait, re- if you guys didn't hear, failure. What type of failure is? Do you have a favorite failure? <laughs> That's a good one. I, I, you learn, you learn from I, I have a favorite failure, and it's uh, originally uh, for a mo- for most of my life in terms of years, I had the tendency to go hard until I couldn't anymore. So later, I was broke, right? And so I had a nervous breakdown in 2015. I, I you know, was the husband and wife team at that time, and uh, I was the one working with all the clients. She was all the support, and that was it. It was just the two of us. And uh, but it was just me in terms of the things that I did, right? And um, I literally uh, went until I couldn't anymore. And that, what should have taken a week of not doing anything, I mean, we probably had 10 in transaction at that moment. So there were different parts of the transaction they were in and I needed to lead them. And I didn't have anyone like I do now to kind of take those roles over um, because she had a full plate, didn't even know how to do the things that I did. And just like I didn't know how to do the things she did. So I didn't have that luxury. So what it should have been a week of, of reset, just down, no work, ended up being 30, 50, 45 days of immense challenge of trying to figure out how to get through all my daily activities every day. Uh, it just drug it out. So I, I, that was a big wake up call and um, for myself and, and then to make the decision uh, between the two of us to, are we gonna grow to this? We've, we've been successful, we've gotten here. Uh, am I gonna try and do everything? Are, are we gonna try and do everything or are we going to grow and you know, face leadership in a different, a whole nother level? Are we gonna take on more responsibilities? And honestly, that was not an easy decision. It was very, very difficult. And uh, it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Um, and that is, uh, I feel like uh, for so long we were pushed to do everything in our life and be alone and be competitive and try to be better than someone or everybody. And that question was asked earlier, you know, to be, uh, you know, higher than everyone else. I don't see that. Uh, I see um, how to be the best version of myself, how to accomplish the biggest goals and dreams that I have within me. Um, I might look at what other people are doing and it may inspire me, but there's a, there's a positive side of, of competitive. And I choose today only to look at how I benefit from competition. And that's fun. We're trying to obtain a goal and there's a bonus or we, you know, we can poke each other and have fun with it. That's healthy competition. If it's something where I'm better because you know, I've got more money or I have more business, uh, this is not healthy for you. Start there, forget everybody offering it. If it's not healthy for you, it's not healthy for everybody else. So um, I learned relationships matter. I learned that all the people in our lives that I had taken for granted, this is family, this is our closest family members that we have the hardest time with because they're the best mirror for showing you who you are. And when you see something you don't like, you want to blame them. You want to talk bad about them. You want to push them away. And so I learned that relationships are there and they're such a magical element in our lives and to nourish them and to not take it for granted. And now you know, romantically, uh, we split up after a 17-year beautiful marriage, and it seemed it was the, it was the best way to, to to change the relationship. We changed the relationship, and we were excellent at communication. And now we have the blessing of continuing on. You know, uh, while she's got a romantic love in her life, and I've got one in mine, and they mean the world to us. And and here we are, still building. And uh, but you know, I I hate to put the light on Paula, but. You know, I learned that relationships mean everything and it's so much more fun when we do things together and we stop fighting all the time and we stop trying to do everything. 
and life becomes so much more of a blessing because you have balance, because you rely on people. Rather than live in the world of expectations, they're there because you can count on certain things. That's different than expecting it, and they have to show because you expect it. So that's what I learned, and that's one of the most beautiful lessons ever. So now it's just fun to do it together because you can relax more. My failure, my failure probably is not knowing how to say no. And I never wanted to say no to anything, not just in real estate, but anything. I would always like, yes, I can do it. And then I'd get out my calendar. I'm like, oh, how am I going to do that? You know, I said yes, and I really can't be there at that time. So my failure was learning how to say no, not being able to say no. But now I can say no, but I, I, I mean, I still try to do everything I can, but but so if I had to have a failure, I guess, even in real estate now, it's, you know, when I first started, it was, you know, a client would call me and want to go see a home on Sunday morning at 10. And I'd say, yes, I'm going to do it, you know. Well, and then I was like, no, I can't do that. I have church on Sunday and I can show it to you after 12 o'clock, you know. And, and I do work on the weekends too, but I've, I've learned how to manage my time. I was putting my family off when I first started to, like, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to miss dinner. I'll, I'll meet y'all there later. So I just try to say no and just try to put them, put my clients off. They don't have to know what you're doing. You know, just you have an appointment then. Saying no is so important. We always think we have to say yes to everything. No, you don't. You want to grow your life, learn to say no to the things that are not as important as the one that you need them to. I'll think a blend of both of these two. Relationships are critical in learning to say no. I'll go to the back to our lady that was the executive assistant. My greatest, when I think about learning challenge, was having an amazing executive assistant that I would turn things over to, and then I was second-guessing or going over her shoulder. And I lost a really, really good one. Now, the one that I have now for nine years, Daddy learned a very important lesson, and she's brilliant. If you want to grow your business and you find someone that you truly trust and you turn something over to them, let them run with it. The moment you start getting in all the details and getting in the back of their head, they're going to look at you and go, you know, why did you really hire me? If you trust me, let me go forward. And if I make a mistake, I will autocorrect, I promise you. So one of my greatest things that I learned was to turn it over and have faith that they're going to learn it. And if they do screw up, we have a great conversation. We don't have a smackdown. Mm. Now, that has allowed me then, we talk about time, to have five different businesses, to have oversight of 29 offices, to have other stuff. I'm not doing all that work. I've got brilliant people that I rely upon. Please understand, your growth is predicated on you accepting at least one good human being in your life. At least one that can offset some of the things that you need to do so that you can move on and do better at the real estate business. Other questions while well, we got a little bit more time. Right here. So what are your top two marketing activities that get you the most results right. in your business? Uh, social media. It's free. And social media. I. I use mostly Facebook is what I use and um, I don't care I mean I post business I post every closing just about and it's free I mean it's I have um, friends from high school that I haven't seen in you know 30 years that are calling me because of the post that they saw and and I have people calling me from my Facebook post too or messaging me first on messenger if they don't have my phone number because they see what I'm doing and so they want me to help them get into that home that they haven't been able to get into you know so so my marketing 
mainly I don't I don't pay for any marketing. Um, it's just um, referrals and social media is my biggest marketing. And how big, what would you like to? Um, I don't know really. Um, uh, yeah, probably fifteen. Yeah. Fifteen million dollar business is not out there paying for a ton of marketing. She's using her relationships. She's using social media. She's using whatever one of you have on this table or in your pocket, the phone, to connect. I use social media. Uh, we have it set up two ways. We have a business page. Uh, so I can't say that would be one of our biggest. It, it, yeah, um, I would say, oh, and, and to finish that thought, uh, I have my own personal page and I post a lot showing what I believe and what I think and I don't hide any of it. So uh, there might be a residual payback when people appreciate authenticity a little bit more. Um, I'm expecting that, frankly. <laughs> I am. Um, so, but I wouldn't call it that for us. It's, uh, it's open houses. Um, we're at open houses every weekend. Uh, we have a lot of the listings in the same market every day. Um, and so we do open houses just about every weekend. So we have direct contact with buyers that are buying now and sellers that are walk through too. And, and these two guys here and Jennifer as well are, are running point on having uh, to facilitate when they have these interactions and sellers that just come by because they're curious and they want to walk through. This is also an opportunity for listings, which is going to bring a lot more buyer business too. So that's the primary one for us. The second one is we invite people into our home regularly. We have an amazing office on Heights Boulevard. Um, we love to entertain there, so we bought the place expecting to do a lot of that last year, kind of put the brakes on a little bit on the ability to hold parties successfully, but we're getting back to it now. And uh, so we, we invite people into our business and our home all the time. We're very location-based. We love to have fun with our clients, and that has always been a big deal for us too. For those that you don't think open houses work, you're not looking at it the right way. I will guarantee you the people in their neighborhoods know their team name. They know their team name because they're out and about, and then the personal relationship goes further. Now, I made a comment earlier, can you ever have too many people in your database? The answer is no. Now, you can tell me they're bad or they're good or they're bad, whatever. You know what? Tell me which one of those in my database doesn't want a roof over their head. Tell me which one. I just have to keep going after them long enough. We now have a database of about 19,000 because over 24 years, we continue to add to it. If you feed the beast, the beast will feed you. Don't ever stop lead generating. Don't ever stop adding people. Folks, what we forget is when you go out to dinner, you know who are brilliant at this? Teachers, bartenders, waiters, people that you come in contact. They're brilliant. Striking up a conversation? You ought to. Build the business based upon who you're talking to because that individual you're talking to might look at you and go, you know what? Um, my wife and I decided we don't want to rent anymore. Really, are you working with anybody? You are now. We got about three or four minutes. Any other questions? In the back. I Really busy. 
Sean Deanne, we got about two minutes, so hit it hard. Here's your opportunity to lead or follow. Let me just start with that. Because if they know we still need to do it my way, you can always take them up on that. And you can choose not to. So on our team, we uh, very politely and professionally decline because we do it this way. So it's like when I'm available this time or I have the next appointment slot open for you. That's what we do here. So there's a, a, a magic way of meeting them more they're at and how to do that. But when you tend to uh, up the consistency of saying no, you know, we can just make it really quick though. We can just hang out there for just 10 minutes, but it's important that we go over a couple of things before we get out and basically open doors for you. But before we do that, we still have to complete a little bit of business first and it's not gonna take much time at all. Tell them what to expect. Don't leave it up to them because they'll, again, they're going to run through their own expectations. You just want time with me. You just want my business. It's all about you, blah, blah, blah. Take them out of that. Give them enough script to go, hey, you know, put your guard down. It's okay. We're only going to do this and we'll do that. But take the lead. This is your opportunity. If you don't take it now, it's extremely hard to take it later. Yeah, I just try to get them. If I can't get through to them on the phone, like just meet me at my office. I'll come to your office 10 minutes, you know, and... We can make it fast and just go over the points that we need to do before we get started on the show and homes or whatever. If it's a vendor or whatever, you know, just a 10-minute quick meeting. Yep. Ours on the buying side is like the IABS, the basics that we're supposed to do even. Uh, we cover and we tell them, you know, we handle our business the way we're supposed to, and we believe in educating here. And so we go over that. We go over the little buyer rep when our first buyer meeting. Um, but if you're just talking about just getting to know them, that's important too. But if you don't know them yet and they're just a prospect, it's hard to get them to sign up for that yet. Here's my final comment on this and we'll have Taylor close it off. Ladies and gentlemen, COVID changed our world forever. Yes or no? It forces to a digital world. Yes or no? How many have been on Zoom calls? Ignacium. And yet it's not going away. So one of the things we have to do is learn to be better digitally. How many of you have done an actual Facebook live walkthrough on a property? It's happening more and more and more. Switch gears. Think different. Face-to-face -face is still phenomenal, but the digital world is here to stay. You've got to become more familiar with it and figure out how to use it to your advantage. Okay? With that said, we're going to turn it back over to Mr. Taylor, who's going to close it out. Hey, give it up for these guys.